we're reading John chapter 11, starting from verse 55. The Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple complex, What do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so they could arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them and Lazarus was one one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you will, not, for you will always have the poor, but you do not always have me. Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but, because, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. Therefore the chief priests decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. The next day, when the large crowd had come to the festival, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord is a blessed one, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it, as it is written, Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard, sorry, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said said it was thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus responded, This voice came not for me but for you. 
Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to signify what kind of death he was about to die. Then the crowd replied to him, We have heard from the scripture that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. So I'm going to carry on and do the rest of uh, chapter 12, so from 37. Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. But this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? This is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many did, not, many did believe in him, even among the rulers, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't accept my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what I should say and what I should speak. I know that his command is eternal. So the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Anna and Lisa. I'm going to pray for us. Please pray with me. God, thanks so much um, that you give us your uh, word as a light for us, a lamp to our feet. We pray, please, now that you'd um, illuminate it, um, help us to see you a little more clearly through this time. Lord, we're conscious that Jesus presents us with this glory here that seems so strange, this glory of his death, and we need your help to actually see that, to see his death truly as glorious as it is. So please help us to hear and to understand. Please help uh, me to speak um, interestingly, as I should, uh, for your gospel is of great interest. Amen. Uh, tonight I want to talk about glory. Uh, and the first thing to say is uh, that whatever you think is glorious, you will devote your life to. Whatever you think is glorious, you're going to devote your life to. So it's important to figure out what is truly glorious, or else you'll devote your life to something wrong or lame. So what does glory mean? Uh, well, the Bible, when it says glory, it kind of means uh, heavy, weighty, or significant, important. 
It can also kind of mean shiny or valuable. So whatever you think is important, valuable, glorious, you'll devote your life to. So if we were to make a list of what the world out there, our city, would put under the heading of glorious, important, valuable, you'd have things like, you know, a house, a lifestyle, my job, my family, what people think of me, things like that. But for Jesus, he had quite a different list. For him, the list went a little like this. God. That's it. Whatever else is glorious takes its measure of glory from God and how it might relate to God. And so Jesus, thinking God was glorious, devoted himself to his Father God. So we've kind of got these two lists of what glory looks like. They kind of clash a bit. There's two stories of glory. Tonight we're going to see these two glory stories and see how they clash a bit. The world's kind of default glory story, and then Jesus' reworked glory story. And as we see his one, I think it'll challenge us about our own version of what is truly glorious. But first, um, the world's glory story. And I'm going to try to tell this story a little bit from the perspective of um, someone in the crowd in chapter 12. I have props. Costume, I should say. Okay, here we go. Where did he get that from? Hello, I'm Thaddeus. I'm a farmer from uh, just outside of Jerusalem, from around the Ephraim area. I've been following Jesus for a couple of years now. Not actually literally, I haven't been following him around. Although I have seen him a few times, he's come past. I've been more like following him like, you know, word on the street. Following him on Twitter and stuff like that. Because you see, people are always talking about Jesus. Because we're hoping that he's the one. You know, our people, the Jewish people, we've been downtrodden slaves for, for centuries. But we've got this promise that, that the Messiah's coming, this king. And he's going to set us free. He's going to, like, defeat the Romans. And he's going to bless us. We're going to be all prosperous. We're going to be, like, on top of the world. So as you can imagine, we're kind of looking forward to that. And when we get together as a people, we, uh, you know, we kind of, we look forward to that time and we, we kind of chant psalms about it. Like, like, for instance, when we get together, we chant Psalm 118. It's almost as if we can see the Messiah walking into Jerusalem. And we chant together, Hosanna, which means save us. The one who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. That's what we kind of chant together. Well, we've had a few false starts over the years. We've had fellows who turn up and we think they're Messiah. They fight with the Romans. Some of them even win, but they'd vanish like mist on a summer's morning. They'd win and we'd kind of celebrate. We'd get these palm branches and kind of wave them around. We're free. But then it would all be gone. But this Jesus guy, he seems different. And different is the word. He's kind of hard to pin down, you know. And some of the things he says, is they're a bit bizarre, to be honest. Sometimes we don't even know what team he's really on. But one thing's for sure. 
He's amazing. He went to this party, right, and he turned water into wine. Wish I could do that. He healed a lame man. I knew this guy who was blind since he was born. Jesus opened his eyes. And just recently was the highlight. A couple of weeks back, just down the road in Bethany, there was this guy named Lazarus who got sick and died. Jesus brought him back to life. Can you believe this guy? It's for real. So there's no question anymore. Jesus is the Messiah. He's got to be. He's our rescuer. He's come to set us free from the Romans and bring us prosperity. We're going to be on top of the world. So there's no surprise that the crowd's getting really excited. The crowds are flocking to him. I mean, it's the Messiah. Well, that's what most people think anyway. Then there's the religious leaders there. They're not quite so keen on Jesus. And every time Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, which is kind of where they hang out, you always know there's going to be some kind of kerfuffle. He'll say something that they don't want to hear, and they'll accuse him of blasphemy, you know, saying that he's God or something. It's getting pretty heated between these guys, you could say. In fact, recently I heard they're trying to kill him. Every time he's in the city, it just gets hot. And so he retires to the country to people like me who like him. But that makes me wonder what's going to happen now. Because you see, it's, it's almost Passover, and everyone's going up to Jerusalem for the festival. The place is packed. I mean, there's usually about 50,000 people. At the moment, there's 150. It's a bit crazy. And there's people like me who've come up from the country, people who are Jesus fans, and we really want to see him. But then there's these religious leaders. They really want to see Jesus for another reason. You know what I mean? Well, then we heard, while we were sitting there in Jerusalem, we heard he was, he was coming. He was actually coming into Jerusalem, the, the Messiah, the King. I mean, this is a glorious historic event. And me and the boys, we wanted to go out and meet him to celebrate the coming of the king, our freedom. And so as we went out of the city, the natural thing to do was, you know, to grab some palm branches, because this guy's bringing our freedom. And the natural thing to do was to start chanting Psalm 118. Hosanna, God's come to save us. And so there we were with the crowd, waving our branches, calling out. And here comes Jesus around the corner. There he was, the king of Israel, our hope of our nation. Well, I tell you what, it was a glorious moment. When he calls his army together, I am signing up. When he mounts his war horse, I'm going to be right behind him. as We ride out to take down the nations. Together, as we follow our king into victory, we'll all join in in the splendor and prosperity, we'll be on top of the world. I tell you what, this was a glorious moment, friends. The only one ruining it was Jesus. What's he doing on a donkey? Well, friends, as you hear that kind of story of glory, what is in the list 
of glorious things for, for the Jewish people. If they have a list of what, what is truly glorious, victory over the nations, right? Being on top of the world. Blessing, prosperity, power. And remember, what you think is glorious, you'll devote your life to. So we've got a bunch of people devoted to victory, status, power, prosperity. Sound familiar? Isn't that like our world? This is kind of the world's default glory story. Well, friends, Jesus actually takes that old story and reworks it, changes it around, uh, like a fractured fairy tale. Have you heard of a fractured fairy tale? We get these old familiar fairy tales and they kind of change them around a bit to make it quite different. Have you heard one of them? Goldilocks and the one bear, that sort of thing. Goldilocks and the three dinosaurs is another classic. The best one I've heard of, which I haven't read, was... Um, the three little ninja pigs. thought, yeah, having ninja skills would change the story, wouldn't it? Anyway, it could be a very short story. I don't know. But Jesus reworks this glory story. Uh, and once again, I'm going to take the liberty of pretending to be Jesus. And please pray that I don't be, I'm not struck down or something. But here we go. This is, um, of course, in the kids' books, he always wore a sash. So that's what we're going with. Okay. We're not allowed to laugh anymore because it's now serious. <laughs> so much of their story is right. They should be praising me. They should be welcoming, welcoming me as their king into the city. But they just don't get that the Romans aren't the real enemy. They don't get that I'm not here to start a war. I'm here for peace. And I'm not here so that they can be on top of all the nations. I'm here for the nations. I need them to understand, but they won't understand. Their vision of glory is just so flashy and shallow and worldly. I know. There's a donkey. I'll ride the donkey. Maybe they'll see then that it's not all about war horses and power. Maybe they'll see then that they'll think, Zechariah 9, verse 9, Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look your king is coming, humble and seated on a donkey's colt. Maybe they'll see then. Maybe they'll even think of the next verse, verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed. And he will proclaim peace to the nations. Maybe then they'll see that I'm not here for war, but for peace. I'm not here just for them, but for the nations. Maybe they'll understand later. Have you tried to ride a donkey? Bareback? Stick to horses. I was just getting comfortable when Philip and Andrew come up to me. They tell me that there's these Greek guys who want to see me. Well, it hit me. My hours come. The hour that I've been waiting all these years for has finally come. The reason I came is for now. You see, if the Greeks and the world out there is going to see me, they're going to see me as king, so it's time to be glorified. It's time for me to be glorified. It's time for me to really 
save this world. It's time for me to really defeat the enemies, the real enemies, mind you. Satan, the ruler of this world, his lies, his accusations, death. And yet, I know what this hour involves. If I'm going to glorify the Father, if I'm going to be glorified myself, it means dying. It it means facing judgment. And friends, to be honest, I don't want to to go through with that. I'm troubled by this. Inside, I'm kind of like a sea tossing up and down. I mean, I want to call out to my Father and say, just save me, Father, from this hour. I don't want to die. But I know that the whole point of my coming was for this hour. So that God would be glorified. And the only way for that to happen is for me to die. This crowd, they they don't understand. They don't understand how death and glory could go together. But it's not that crazy, is it, friends? You know, it's like a seed. You know, like a seed, you've got a packet of seeds... And until you actually take the seed out and put it in the ground, kind of bury it like a dead body, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. It's kind of just as, just as well, isn't it? I mean, I'm glad I planned it that way. But once you put that seed in the ground and you, and you bury it like a dead body, well, then it multiplies itself. You see, my death is going to bring life for them. I'm the son of God, right? But I'm the only son of God. If I die, they can all become God's children. All these people lining the streets, they can all be God's children. Come to know his glory. Come to really know the father as their father. To know forgiveness. To know his character of love and faithfulness. To know real hope. You see, this death I'm about to die really will be glorious. I mean, think about it. As I die, the whole world of sin is going to be judged. It'll look like I'm being judged, but actually the world's going to be judged. Judged for rejecting me. Judged for not seeing in me the glory of God. As they condemn me, they're condemning themselves. And in this moment, I'm going to chuck Satan out. It's going to look like his victory, but it's actually my victory. You see, Satan's always been lying about about God. He's been saying, you know, God is cruel, God, God is unfaithful, God is distant, God is harsh. I'm going to show them otherwise. I'll show them what God's really like. Loving to the point of death. Faithful, gracious. Satan's always been accusing people of sin. I'm going to take away all of their sins so he's got nothing left to accuse. It's time for my victory over Satan. And at this moment, I'm going to be lifted up. Sure, sure, I'm going to be lifted up on a cross. But I'll also be exalted to glory. When I rise, I'll be the king of a whole new world. And as I do that, I'm going to gather all people to myself. All kinds of people will come to me and have life 
with the Father as children of God. (sighs) Yeah, I've got to die. But it's going to be so glorious. They'll understand eventually. Friends, do you see the way Jesus radically reworks this glory story? His list of glorious things isn't things like political victory, prosperity, success, comfort, even life itself. It's quite simply God. Anything else that might be glorious has to take its measure of glory from Him. He is the source. So prosperity, comfort, life itself, these things aren't so glorious anymore unless they're in the service of God. He gives them all up so that he might rescue people from the world of death and sin and bring them to God. He gives it all up for God's sake and for our sake. Because people believed Satan's lies about God. And so Jesus showed them the glorious truth. People were caught being accused of their sin by Satan. So he forgave our sin so that we can be children of God, so that we, friends, can actually be engaged with the God of all glory, which makes us kind of glorious, doesn't it? So, friends, this is Jesus' kind of reworked glory story, and I think it changes everything. And in the middle of it all, Jesus invites you and I to make his story our story. Would you look at the Bible with me? Eventually. Just wanted to get through a lot of text, but here we go. From verse 23. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies... It produces a large crop. And this is the bit I want to focus on. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So the question is, what do we find glorious? Is it all about this world, this life? The job, the house, the family, the experiences, the lifestyle. Is that it? Last one. I um, played uh, soccer for the Reesby Workers Club last season. It's a pretty lame, kind of low-grade local soccer team. The Reesby Workers, you might have been there for a concert. No, don't worry. It's uh, it's the middle of nowhere. Um, we played, it was the most serious soccer team I've ever played for. Uh, we weren't extremely good, but we were very serious. Uh, you don't turn up to training, you're not playing on the weekend. You know? and, but before the match, we'd have these kind of pep talks from our coach, Danny. We'd be kind of mucking around, and he'd go, all right, boys, time to settle down, all right? It's time to flick the switch, okay? Serious. It's game on. Flick the switch. You know, this, is, this was our saying. Flick the switch. Uh, serious, serious. And the teams we played were very serious as well. You know, we really, like they put everything in. Tempers would flare, fights would begin. And if you scored a goal, it was, you know, whoa! We're like, you won the lottery. It's amazing. Um, 
And it was a glorious season, to be honest. It was, it was a glorious season for the Reesby workers. We won the minor premiership. We won the grand final. And it was the most important thing in the world to these guys. And so they devoted themselves to it. And what did we get? Who cared? You guys don't. Um, what changed in the world? Not a lot. What did we get for our efforts? A little piece of plastic with shiny metal over it. Friends, that is our world's glory. It's these things that we think are so important, so valuable. So we devote ourselves to them, work hard for them. But then we find out in the end that they are just bits of plastic covered in shiny metal. And Jesus says, verse 25, the one who loves his life will lose it. If what is important and valuable to you is just in this world, is all this life, is all this world, this world as it is opposed to Jesus, you will lose it all. But the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If you join with Jesus and drop that list of what is glorious according to the world, if you actually stand with Jesus where he is, laying himself out for the glory of the Father, if you join with Jesus, you will find life now and forever, eternal life, truly not just plastic covered in shiny metal. And I love these words that he finishes with. Verse 26, the Father will honor you. So friends, the question that's been coming to me this week and that I bring to you is this. What story does your life tell? Which glory story does your life tell? Or to ask it another way, what are you devoted to? Because what you think is glorious, you will devote your life to. I want to just spend the last few minutes looking at Mary, because Mary is brilliant. Mary, no questions, is devoted to Jesus, isn't she? And she challenges us with two things about our devotion and, and our, what we think is glorious. Money and, our, and the opinion of people. You see, Mary's got this incredibly valuable perfume. Did you notice how valuable it was? There's a little kind of note that takes you down the bottom there that tells you how much it's worth. About a year's wages. This is some seriously good perfume. Pure nard. Not, not the mixed stuff you'd get at the local markets, but the pure stuff straight from India that you'd only wear on very rare occasions. But the glory of Jesus has so grabbed her that, that her list of what is glorious has been all changed around. And so she takes this incredibly valuable perfume, pours it on his feet. And then, while all these respectable citizens look on, she gets down on her knees, wipes his feet with her hair. Because, you see, she doesn't really care so much anymore what people think of her. Riches aren't so important to her anymore. What is glorious to her has changed. 
Has it changed for you? How much more should it change for us? Mary hadn't even seen the glory of the cross and Jesus' resurrection. We have. We've been standing here singing these songs about the glory of the cross and how we see so much of Jesus' love and, uh, and his goodness to us there. And so how much more us? How much more should we be changed by that? Money, for example. We think it's so valuable, so important. I know. Money gives us security, doesn't it? Status. Friends, don't become like Judas. Do you notice Judas in that story? That he wouldn't be devoted to Jesus because he was greedy. He loved money. Friends, we've got to let the glory of God that we see at the cross push the glory of money aside. Help us to see that actually in Jesus we find our security. In Jesus we find our status. In Jesus we get God. There's nothing more than that. As we do that, we might be free to live a life of devotion with our money. As we plan our budgets this year. Or second, the opinion of people. We think it's so important, don't we, what, what people think of us. You know, we really want people to like us. You, you know I struggle with this. But friends, we mustn't become like these believing rulers. Did you see them in verse 42? Verse 42. Nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. They weren't kind of radical in their discipleship. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Friends, we mustn't let the opinion of people stop us from being devoted to Jesus, from, from offering devoted acts of radical service to him. You know, when, when people uh, reject you for doing radical things for Jesus... They rejected Jesus. When they look at you funny, they looked at him funny. And he's judged the world, that world that laughs at you. He's judged them. And so you stand with Jesus. And what does he say in verse 26? For those who stand with him, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Brothers and sisters, my prayer is that as we reflect on the cross and the glory of God that we see there, that our list of what is really glorious will be transformed and we'll begin to live lives of real devotion to Jesus. One of the ways that we can reflect on the cross together is in communion, um, the Lord's Supper. We're going to actually share in that now. I'm going to ask the band to just come up here and set themselves up while... Um, I just explain that if you are someone who's trusting in Jesus and you want to live a life of devotion to him, then please do share with us in this little meal. Uh, as we sing the next song, the bread and the juice will be passed around. Just take them, hold on to them, and we'll eat and drink together at the end. This is a symbol of what Jesus has done for us in giving himself to us, body and blood. It's a symbol of actually uh, God's glory in a sense, his deep love and grace, that he would give his soul, whole self for us to make us his children. So please take them and we'll eat and drink together in a little while.
I'm just going to pray for us. God, thank you so much for the shape of your glory. Not just power, not just flashy, not just shallow, but deep truth, real love. Oh, Father, please so shape us by the glory of the cross, the glory we see in your Son, that we would push aside those other things we find so important and live lives of appropriate devotion to your Son, Jesus. Amen.